Welcome to season two of our Brave New You Tribe podcast. I'm your host, Lou Hamilton, co-founder with Meredith Hepner Chapman of Brave New You Apparel. I interview real life brave new girls and guys who have chosen a road less traveled, risen to the challenges and found the courage to keep going when the going gets tough. They share the lessons they've learned, their wins and their vision for the future. Brave, bold and sometimes bloody minded, they bring you their stories from the edge. This week, we have rock and roll queen of floristry, Nick Southern, founder of Grace and Thorn and author of How Not to Kill Your Plants. Not one for the dome-shaped bouquet, Nick stepped out towards the cutting edge, created her own style and encouraged others to green up their gaffes too. Welcome, Nick. Welcome, Nick, to Brave New You Tribe. How are you and how has lockdown been? I, I think you've been quite busy, haven't you? Yes. What lockdown is my question. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I mean, at the start of it, it was really like upsetting and really worrying about, you know, I've got quite a large team. So, um, you know, we've got a lot of weddings, events, hotel contracts, restaurant contracts, plant maintenance we do for offices. So we lost all that business straight away. But what did happen was the website, it just, you know, it went mental, basically, because everyone was sending each other flowers, buying each other plants, buying their own plants for themselves, buying lots of gifts. So, yeah, that's really amazing. I feel really grateful for that, that um, we've worked really, really hard these last few months. <laughs> My poor staff, they're just like, <laughs> can we have a day off? <laughs> How have you managed doing deliveries then? I know a few mates are like black cabbies and they they were looking for work. So I've taken on a few mates, other mates as well who were looking for work. So we've we've had a lot of delivery drivers and they're just sort of like knocking on the door, leaving the flowers on the doorstep and running off. So so it's all been quite, you know, very safe, very cautious. And yeah, we've been making people happy. So yeah, it's been great. I saw one of the memes on your Instagram today. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, we've been saving money because we haven't been spending anything piles of plants and flowers outside people's doors (laughs) (laughs) it's so true Um, it's strange because as soon as um, lockdown hit we saw spiking like candles and smudge sticks and then it just went plants 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 and flowers as well obviously always flowers (laughs) so people have been living in self-made jungles then yeah yeah a lot of uh, people growing um, their own vegetables as well out in the garden on the balcony window boxes so yeah we've we sell a lot of outdoor plants as well. It's been good. It's been challenging because I've had to move really quickly and get things mm. shot and put up and keep on top of it and make sure we've had enough. We had quite a few problems with our nationwide couriers, you know, you can't, which is hard for me because with my own drivers, I can trust them. And I know as soon as flowers leave, you know, I know they're going to be delivered safely. But with nationwide, it's it's it's, uh, it's harder to control, obviously. Mm. <laughs> it, it's mm. out of our control. So, yes, yeah, yeah. quite a few delays on that we've had to deal with. But I think people have been really understanding on on when we've been sending Most out people. our t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, no, there's always, always one. Uh, yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> Are you aware of what's going on? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd like to know about you as a little girl. Was were plants always part of your life? Yeah, I'm from a, a council estate in Islington, and pretty much there was nothing there. There's no greenery whatsoever. But my mum and dad used to take us to Hampstead Heath a lot, to um, Vicky Park, to Kissold Park. 
So I always remember the best parts of my childhood growing up was really, you know, based around nature and going out and seeing sort of trees and plants. They always sort of, I don't know, they gave me a sense of serenity, really. I think because being the eldest of four, it was quite tough growing up. It's quite noisy. <laughs> we did, you know, we lived in quite a small house. So, you know, I shared with my two sisters most of my life, most of my childhood. So, yeah, it was really nice to just have that retreat. But then also my nans, with regards to like houseplants as well, uh, my nan and granddad are Italian. They lived in Crouch End. So I spend a lot of time there. And their house is just absolutely rammed full of cheese plants, begonias, geraniums, tomato plants, grapevine, roses. You know, I just remember it so clearly. And that's, I love going there purely for that reason. You know, I used to help them in the garden. I used to make, help them make wine, <laughs> pick the tomatoes and eat them, you know. So that kind of always stuck with me, really, I think. And then when we moved out of Islington into Enfield, I literally died and went to heaven because we moved into a 100-foot garden. At the Enfield house, had a 100-foot garden, and I was like, that's where I would spend all my time, basically. I loved it. I've never seen a garden like it. So were you encouraged to weed and plant? And Do you know what? My mum and dad didn't really care about gardening. It was me. <laughs> I just took it on myself. My mum used to have a few houseplants around, but she, well, they weren't really into... She is now, actually, thankfully, but not really back then. I don't really remember them being into the garden. More about, you know, men obsessed with their lawns. So my dad, had, you know, loved the lawn. But other than that, not much else. What was it? Were you being pulled to the plants or was it a feeling that they gave you that made you want to sort of be um, involved with them more? What Were you conscious as a child about your love of them? No, I don't think I was. But then when I went to secondary school, I went to school in Hampstead and it was like a convent school and we had the most amazing grounds with an apple orchards which we weren't allowed to walk in, but they were just absolutely stunning. And like, we used to go on fun runs to like Hampstead Heath and do like PE there. So, yeah, I don't think I was ever sort of conscious about it. Do you know what? I don't think I ever really was until later on in life when it was taken from me. I knew then, God, that's what's missing. You were 13 years in recruitment. How did you be pulled towards something so opposite from what made you feel free and calm? Yeah, and- I think... I was quite creative, but I I sort of lived in an area and I don't know, I don't think it was ever honed in me really, like, or encouraged that that could be something that I could make a living from. I never really, you know, and I think that's where we're so lucky, you know, especially like living in London, in East London as well, it's a hub of creativity. You know, back then I, you know, I had my A-levels, my meetings with my teacher about what I want to do and it's all very like office-based or... You know, I did history and English at A level. I, I loved art, but my, you know, my dad was really like loved history and English. He was like, "That's what you need. You know, you should take kind of things that will help you in, you know, further in life." And I've got such a bad memory. I don't know, how you, you know, in terms of date facts and <laughs> information. I'm like, I'm not sure how that was going to pan out. Anyway, so um, so I wasn't told that I was able to get a grant for university. And my mum was just like, we can't afford it. So I went out and found a job immediately. And I, I just got an admin job, you know, which a lot of my mates did at that time that weren't at uni. You just go into admin. So I went into an admin. And then my best friend worked in from school, worked at this recruitment agency and said, why don't you come in for an interview? So that was it. Yeah, I went for an interview, got the job. And 13 years later, <laughs> I'm still there. <sighs> but I started as an administrator, just typing out CVs which I got so bored of really quickly because I couldn't type. I don't know how I actually got that job, to be honest. <laughs> and then 
And then I just kept staying after work to help the guys find CVs, like find candidates. You know, I was so shy on the phone. I used to speak under the table. I was such a quite nervous, shy person back then and a kid. Yeah, it just re- it was really daunting for me. And then I quit. I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm going back to admin. Like my little secure, you know, my team. And they were like, no, no, you're really good at it. Like with the first phone call I made, I placed someone. And so I, sh- I went back to admin for a year. Bored of that still. <laughs> So I went back into recruitment and then, yeah, I absolutely, um, I, I found I was really good at it. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't like it. It was really, really, yeah, it was, I don't know. It's it's a kind of role where if you do well, you, you get paid well, basically. I always thought you shouldn't enjoy a job. Jobs are just jobs to earn money. You know, it's not about whether you enjoy it or not. So I didn't realise that sort of, oh, getting up, going to work every day, that feeling I had was, I just thought it was normal. Yeah. So you weren't kind of yearning to escape it. You just thought that's this is life. This is what you've got to do. Yeah, I always had ideas. I had a business idea every day of the week. Basically, when I went to that firm, I was 19 and I set a tuck shop up from my desk. <laughs> so I used to sell chocolate and chew gum and stuff and cans of Coke. And then, you know, I was I remember speaking to one of the guys at the head of market and we used to have chats every month about different idea that I had or what I was going to do. And I actually set up a dog walking business. I dropped a day a week there. So I set that up and that did really, really well. And, you know, I lived in Surrey at the time and it, there was no sort of good dog walking place firm where I lived. So I set that up and I did that on the side. And that was my little sort of side um, business, as you like. And, you know, I didn't actually I did do dog walking myself a bit, but I got quite bored on my own. <laughs> So I got a girl to do it for me. And I went, you know, I just kept improvement. But yeah, I always yearned to do something, but I never knew what it was going to be. I didn't know. And every weekend I would spend, I literally lived my life in reverse. I lived, I lived in, you know, a house in Surrey when, from the age of 22. I'm from North London, moved there, got married um, and spent every weekend in the garden centre. <laughs> and my garden, my garden was my life. I, lo- I loved it. It was my hobby. So yeah, that's just where I found my solace and I just... And my creativity was like my art. I loved planting a garden, moving it around and the maintenance and the... But I never, ever, ever cut the flowers. Yeah, I never I never did that part of it. It was always just the gardening part. And, you know, a lot of people do, you know, that's the kind of payoff, isn't it? You you do a job to pay your bills and yeah. and live a life you want. And and then in your spare time, you do the thing yeah. that you love. And, exactly. and, you know, that's a lot. Of, a lot of people do that. Yeah. But I have known quite a few people in recruitment who've become <laughs> entrepreneurs. Yeah. So I wonder what finally kind of got you out of there. For me, if I'm honest, it was divorce. <laughs> Like basically, I can talk about it quite freely now. Basically, I um, we worked together, you know, my husband and I for that whole time as well. So then, when we split up, I left Surrey, left my job, left everything behind, basically, and started again. Moved back to London, and I got different recruitment jobs. I kept, I got a job at Deutsche Bank, got a job at another firm, and I just kept jumping. And that's not me. I'm very stable. I'm very stoic. So that was like for me. I'm like alarm bells, thinking, why am I just jumping from job to job now? I've never been like this. And I realised, I'm like, I just hate this job. <laughs> I actually hate it, but it's all I know. I don't know what else to do. And so I called up a business coach that I knew, my, you know, the, the firm I was at for 13 years. You know, I was really upset. I was just a bit lost. And I said, I don't know what the hell I'm doing with my life here. Like, I'm, I've just, I've got no skills. All I know is recruitment and I hate it. <laughs> I literally, I'm so miserable. <laughs> and he met up, he sent me a Myers-Briggs psychometric test. I don't know if you know about that, but um, like 75 multiple choice questions and I read it and I was like, God, this is me. You know, it was just like about you hate, you know, beat of someone else's drum. You know, you shouldn't be working in an office. You love nature. You love, 
you know, gardening, floristry. And I was like, oh, floristry. And he recommended three careers at the end of it. It goes quite into depth in your personality. And one was uh, gardening, obviously, you know, which I loved. One was interior design, which I also loved. But I tried a course in that and I got a bit bored. And the last one was floristry. And I was like, oh, I never thought of that before. So I, I enrolled in um, a course for a month and I knew that was it. I literally, the first day I stepped foot in there, I was like 36. And I was like, yeah, this is it. I know this is what I love now. And this is what I'm going to do. But when you were doing the course, you discovered something about yourself that, you know, you, you, you were there to learn. You were learned to kind of learning all the basics, but you weren't the best student. <laughs> so oh, no. <laughs> what was happening? <laughs> I met the teacher, I met the guy in Ibiza as well last year, and he was like, I'll be honest with you, you were shit. I was like, what the? It's like, but, you know, I keep an eye on what you're doing now. You're doing great. Like, you're really good. I was like, my God, thank you. Um, <laughs> basically, I was, you know, just coming out of a divorce as well. I was hungover all the time. I was always late. I was a bit shit. But his style of flourish was very formal. So it's like we had to shake the flowers like a pregnant belly was one of the descriptions like a dome and I just was like oh this is really boring I don't I just didn't enjoy it like I enjoyed all the seeing like when he brought the flowers out every day and seeing how many different types of flowers there were and foliage and grasses and little flowers that you could choose I've never seen before that's what made me excited but the how we were styling them absolutely did not and so I might you know I literally would try and put something up to the right and pull things up and down and like no shove them back so yeah <laughs> imprison them get them yeah. back in that dome i remember one day we had to make a handbag made out of flowers for a like, little bright little bridesmaid to carry with pearls on it is the handle and i went to him who the hell would want that <laughs> and he was like you pay for this i'm like oh okay probably that's why yeah i wasn't his favorite pupil <laughs> but, but when you were doing things offbeat from what he was saying was that because you were curious or because you were you just knew that there was something else beyond the dome I think I was curious at first and I think I never like I don't follow recipe books I don't really look at any other florists on Instagram or any what any other florists are doing it's like you know a painter having a load of oil paint look lot oil paint in front of them why are they going to look at someone else where they're just going to crack on and do what they want in front of them, you know? And that's what I'm like with flowers. I don't really want to copy anyone else or do what anyone else is telling me to do. I'll just do what I want. <laughs> because there's so much you can do with flowers. And I think back then, that's why I didn't really see it as a career when I was younger, because I used to go in flower shops and look at them and think, this is not inspiring at all. And I didn't actually think, actually, you could make this inspiring. This could be a lot better. <laughs> We're really lucky today. So many florists now have come through and everyone's sort of, you know, letting the flowers breathe, sing and dance. And that's, you know, what I'm about. It's like allowing the flowers to literally be free, you know, let them sing, let them dance, let them enjoy each flower for its own individuality instead of like stifling it into a dome, even though that's much easier. (laughs) But when you came, when you finished the floristry course, were you expecting that you were going to have to follow the traditional way of doing things or were you right this is, I'm out of here I've learned the basics now I'm off I'm going to do my thing or what, no. what was your thinking I thought I basically, I basically yeah lacked a lot of confidence at the end of the day there's a lot of established florists in London so I shat myself basically went back to recruitment <laughs> I went back to recruitment after trying to find work experience and jobs. So I did do quite a bit of work experience. 
but no one would give me a job. They're just like, you've got no experience, basically. And if we're going to give someone a job, it would be, you know, someone who has experience. So here's a broom, get on with it. Oh, okay. So I was like 36 thinking, I'm not, absolutely not, I'm not doing this. I'm going to, you know, set up on my own. So I went back to recruitment and I sort of set something up on the side. You know, I started getting my website, my name, you know, my name, I thought of my name, started doing bouquets for my sitting room. And like my sister was working fashion back then. And I, de- I didn't really have any friends in London. Obviously, I had my sister. So she introduced me to, like, you know, a network of mates and fashion and that. And then um, they started using me. So then it started getting harder for me to focus at work in recruitment. And I remember they pulled me in and I was, they were like, this is not working out, is it? I'm like, no. <laughs> I think I need to leave. They're like, yes, you do. Okay, bye. <laughs> so I left. And then I was like, ah! So, um, but then it, that was good because then I, I was scared. I'm like, right, I have to now do this. This is not something I can do on the side. I have to make this work. So I met my business coach again and he said to me, right, go into the world now. You're not a phony. You're not a fake. Because I just felt like that, you know, that, oh God, I've got no experience. Who's going to want to buy from me? So um, he was like, go into the world as a florist and bloody own it. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's it. I'm going to now. Then I set up for my sitting room, <laughs> which drove my flatmates mad. At that point, were you consciously making things that look different yes I was and I was practicing a lot so I would spend I wasn't making any money at all I would go to the the market buy flowers and practice and practice and practice someone got my mate got me an event at whistles for a press day it was all hydrangea which was really expensive but I bought it all before and it was really only just hydrangea but I really want to make sure I did it right you know paid for all the vases I spent so much money on it you know, two weeks before to make sure I knew exactly how it was going to look and then bought it all again. So I just, I knew what I was doing was different. And at the time, no one else was on Instagram sort of talking about their flowers and no other brand. So I was one of the first flower shops to go on to flower businesses to put my work on Instagram. So that really helped me as well. And then I got a basement studio after a year, about a year of working in my flat. And then that was for another year. And that, yeah, it just, I outgrew it really quickly. And one of my other friends uh, put me in a, Sunday Style magazine and so from that I hadn't even done a wedding at that point but it was talking about different florists in in the UK and I was one of them I was called the hipster's choice (laughs) anyway from that LK Bennett called me up we're like can you do Chelsea and Bloom for us at all of our windows for this competition and I was like oh god as I say I'd only ever done bouquets for my mates and a few like jobs by then I hadn't done anything on that scale so I went to the meeting got the job and then I remember saying to my mate, fuck, I've got this massive job. I'm for che- like Chelsea Bloom. Like, it's in collaboration with Chelsea Flower Show. He was like, you're mad. It's like an episode of Faking It. <laughs> He's like, I don't think you should do it. I went, oh, I am going to do it. Of course I am. And yeah, I couldn't sleep. It was so stressful. But yeah, we did it. And we won, um, we won the People's Choice Award. I was absolutely over the moon. I couldn't believe it. You'd gone from bouquets to like these massive installations in... <laughs> How did that happen? It was because my mate got me. Um, my mate was the editor of uh, Sunday Style, um, Laura Weir, who now the editor of VS Magazine. She was like, oh, babes, I'll, let's do a story about, you know, florists in the UK. And Michael Hennigan wrote it and he put me put me in there. So from that, he got me, you know, the LK Bennett job. And then, you know what fashion's like. As soon as one person uses you, then, you know, a lot of people started calling me up for work so yeah it's sort of snowball from there so in the art world the equivalent is doing a painting and then changing a whole space so yeah. you so that's a completely different scale and yeah. the amount of product that you're using how how it all hangs together 
I mean, that's a different way of thinking. So what so what happened in your head in that transition? I'll be honest with you. I don't I had at that point never been a florist, never been a manager, never run my own business. I had the dog walking, but not to this scale. For me, learning how to do flowers is like bloody learning magic. I found it hard because I was all on my own. I had no one who had any experience to say to me, right, this is how you do it. This is how. So I had, I literally found that the hardest thing was how to, so how to work out how to do things. And I think I lost a lot of money in the first couple of years because I was always practicing, practicing, maybe not getting the best way of doing it, you know, and um, that's what I found really hard. So on a practical level, so if you're, you're being told, right, okay, we've got this space, we need to fill it with flowers and it's got to last for so many days. Yeah. So you're kind of you're stringing them or wiring them. How do you keep them watered? How do you how do you keep the whole thing looking decent? So many different ways of doing it. Like there's test tubes you can put water in. There's there's like eco wrap now that you can you know bind bunches together, which is like like a wet wrap. If you hang them upside down and they're just you know going to be lasting for like a day for a wedding, you don't need them in water because they will stay looking good. Yeah, at the time it's a lot of you know that oasis floral foam that was being used, which is hideous. And carcinogenic, and it's not biodegradable. So now, like a lot of florists are just stopping using that, and it's finding more innovative ways of um, how to be how to do floristry without using that foam. And it's like using a lot of vessels, uh, reusing pots, containers. You know, it's a lot cleverer. We've had to rethink the way we do things now, which is um, really good. So it's not all that crap going into landfill because it's really not good for you either. Okay, so the last eight years, things have changed massively on the kind of floristry front. And you were kind of pushing that just by instinct or did your kind of the artistry of it, could you just see it in your head? Could you feel it? What was happening? I couldn't see it in my head. It was just literally in front of me. You know, I would, bouquets have come a long way as well. Like I look at my first Instagram posts, I'm like, Christ, they were hideous. But I could see they were different. But one person who did one florist who has at the time was inspired me and she's been going for years and years is Scarlet and Violet. You know, I bought her book and she and I, I sent her an Instagram message like a, about a year ago saying, I have to tell you, like, you really inspired me. Like, I didn't realise that that style of floristry is so beautiful. It, I knew there was something different to be had, seen, but I didn't, you know, she she was, the I think, one of the first people to really show that as well. So her book really inspired me. But I think I always knew, like, when people came for jobs and I was training them, it's always like, and they'd might. I don't, and I said, I don't want the flowers looking nice. I don't want nice flowers. They have to look amazing. They have to look, have a bit of an edge to it. So we developed like a strong asymmetric line. So you'll see that going through most of our arrangements are asymmetry. Um, lots of foliage, you know, and, and sort of, it almost looks like all the flowers and foliage are having a bit of a rave up, you know, they're all just like, and I don't, I hate uniformity as well. Every bouquet, like our tagline is that every bouquet that leaves the shop or the warehouse is different no two bouquets are ever the same and I'm really about encouraging each person's own creativity as well because I know how I feel when someone's like you gotta do this do what you want within you know reason what excited me was I didn't realize there were so many different types of foliage and flowers and there's it's just the possibilities are endless but you started to work with plants more was that quite unusual when you were doing that yeah and that the reason was because I had my little studio, my basement studio in Dalston, started really outgrowing it. And my boyfriend at the time said to me, well, he's still my boyfriend, but at that time he said to me, um, yeah, get a big studio, basically. And a shop came up on Hackney Road. And I never wanted a shop, to be honest. I didn't, 
it's all about sort of doing events for me and weddings and events and like doing it from the website. I was really, I didn't really think I didn't have the confidence at the time to pull off a shop because you have to keep that shop looking beautiful all the time with fresh flowers. So for me, I'm like, what if no one buys my stock? It's just going to be, you know, that was the risk. So he was like, look, Hackney Road's up and coming. Go and see this shop anyway. So I went to see it and I was like, yeah, loved it. Putting an offer. Got it. But I had to come up with a way because I was so, I was lacking confidence in people buying my flowers. I was like, right, how can I get this shop looking amazing all the time? But without having to spend tons of money on flowers every day. Just basically, if no one buys them, they're gone. They're dead. You can't, you know, it's not like buying stock that lasts, you know, and put it in a sale if it's not selling. So then I just, I noticed the Pinterest, a real trend in America and Australia at the time in, pl- in houseplants. And I was like, no one's doing that here. Like, no one. So I was like, I'm going to, that's a good idea. So I just started getting plants in, really beautiful pots, started sourcing them. And it just went absolutely mental. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I literally couldn't believe it. And I, I invented the hashtag green up your gaff. And it just went, I think nearly 20,000 people have hashtagged it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because looking in your in your the pictures in your book and and some of them are sort of old pictures yeah. from sort of your childhood and it really reminded me of sort of growing up in the 70s yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and the macrame and the hanging plants and pot plants and putting you know my mum um yeah, you know we yeah. put all the plants in the bath and give them all a wash and a water and 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 I suddenly thought, oh, my God, yeah. I, this is, I'd kind of moved away from it. So that must have been what was happening for other people, too, that you you kind of reintroduced it. And but in a way that, you know, yeah. fitted with kind of your brand and and your way of thinking. And then suddenly everybody was like, oh, my God, yeah, that's what's missing in our homes. It's so hard for young people or anyone to rent to buy in London their own space. So they're renting. So there's a lot of renters who can't necessarily paint their homes or do anything to decorate themselves but plants is just the easy you know cheap they're cheap um you can take them with you they absolutely transform a space it brings out sort of you know that nurturing serene side in you and just um yeah they just I just wasn't prepared for how much it blew up and I'm so thankful that it did you know I feel really lucky I was the only plant place around there now there's loads So I've had to start thinking, right, what do I, what can I do different rather than just trying to keep up or not keep up? But, you know, there's a lot of plant shops now. So in your book, How Not to Kill Plants, what you do is you talk about, about them as your plant babies. And so suddenly it becomes yeah. something rather than something that's dusty and strangled yeah. in the corner. It's something that's alive. It's something that you can engage with every day. Definitely. So there's a kind of therapeutic side but there's also it's also a two-way thing it's not something you buy and then leave there for me when I was researching for the book I I you know bought quite a few plants houseplant books and they're really 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 scientific like really too you know there's a lot of text a lot of science speak and I, I was I just need to bring it back to basically how I speak just really quite down to earth to the point you know it's not a scary thing and I found people coming in and being like oh, I'm just going to take that little tiny succulent as my first starter plant. And, you know, we sold so many succulents, you know, but now those customers are coming in and buying massive fig trees and bigger cheese plants. And, you know, I think it was, it was just saying to people, look, don't worry, it's a plant. At the end of the day, 
you are going to get brown leaf. You are going to get mold on it sometimes. You know, it's just like having a, a split end or a cracked nail. Like you just got to cut it off and get get on with it. <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, once I love it when mums come in the shop with their babies and they're like, oh, she really struggled to keep my plants alive. I'm like, what the? You've got kids? <laughs> it doesn't even compare, like literally. So I think it was just being quite commonsensical about it, you know, no nonsense, just being like, look, you've got to embrace where your plant is from. Like what the agent for the book, when she first approached me, she was like, oh, you know, I've got all these succulents. I live in a basement flat and they're really struggling. I'm like, of course they are because they're from the desert. You know, they're used to the beating sun and no rain. So, you know, put it up, try and get it out, you know, outside for some sunlight and hold back on the watering. So it's just like, where the ferns thrive in woodlands, you know, and so they love moisture. And so it's just sort of really finding where your plant is at home within your home. And um, yeah, I just, I dedicate one day a week, like every Sunday morning, I go around, water them, dust them, and they're fine. Like no plants die overnight. It just doesn't happen, <laughs> basically. So as kind of more shops are uh, sort of doing plants and stuff, you're, you've started doing workshops. We always did workshops. And we started off with terrarium workshops and terrarium Tuesday. And yeah, I mean, they must have they've sold out for the last eight years. We went from doing like two to three a month. We do one a month now, but they're always a sellout. And it's just so thrilling to see people wanting to get their hands dirty. You know, if you haven't got a garden or any outdoor space, you know, people just love getting their hands in the soil. And, you know, it's, I love to see their concentration and everyone looks so different. And then, we, yeah, we just like doing flower courses workshops but we do them for like on site corporate big corporate companies we do them up in like sort of um, outdoor bar spaces like hen parties so we yeah we've we've done so many <laughs> reef workshops and then it's just I love seeing people doing something different than, from their normal jobs and you can actually I can try and work out where what people do for a living as well which is quite fun <laughs> based on the outcome of their flowers and that engaging with people and sort of getting them involved in the plants and exploring and getting curious that's good business too isn't it so you know you've got to be as you say you know people catch up quite quickly because they see what you're doing is brilliant and so they're like okay we'll do that so you've always got to be on your toes and thinking kind of beyond product 100% and I think that's where what's weird is that I've gone from starting a business on being a florist basically because I loved flowers to actually you know I'm lucky nowadays if I even touch a flower because it's so, there's so many facets to this business. There's so much to do all of the time. You know, I just, that's what, it's, it's all consuming. But, you know, I really do, you know, at least twice a week try and do some form of flower arranging. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, I've had to move. And because of that, I, could, I couldn't have just continued being just a, a florist because of the amount of business has grown. So people ask me, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a florist, but actually nowadays I'm probably not so much. I, I do, you know, I'm in the shop most days or in the studio making, you know, there's so much to do around that biz- the business as well that I, I just couldn't do it full time. Do you enjoy all the aspects of the business? Because being a being a founder is this, or an entrepreneur is is absolutely full on, isn't it? So have you learned to delegate? Are there things that you just think, oh, I really don't want to be doing this? How have you met, how have you negotiated the business side of things? Again, it's so hard to know what what from building it from nothing to then it expanding quite quickly is to where to know where to the way I feel, I've got no regrets. I'm like, yeah, I look 
you just got to learn from your mistakes and move on, basically. Like, you know, I've had a bookkeeper, I've recruited an office manager, I've recruited um, head of event. As you go along, then another role comes, you're actually, I could, I could do that. At the moment, like, I do all the social media, I do doing all the admin side of things, I'm doing the website side of things, I'm doing, I go and rearrange a shop, I'm going to stop for the shop, you know, I'm then going to the studio and helping rearrange that. So it's, <laughs> I probably am doing too much. You feel quite lonely because you're, you know, you've built this, this is your baby, you've built it from scratch. There's no no one telling me that's you shouldn't do that. This is the right way to do it. You've got to literally. I've had to learn it all myself, and I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made a good lot of good decisions, but you know I don't not want to look in regret and be like, oh god, you know I wasted money there, or I should have done it this way. I'm just about learning and learning from it, and moving forward, and you know being better for it. You know it's really about looking after people that work for you as well, and I, I feel really lucky. You know I don't have a high turnover of staff. All the best people that work for me have been with me for years and they've come to me with no experience. You know, we've sort of learnt together and grown together and I hope they, you know, enjoy working there. <laughs> it's a good place to be. I mean, they've been really tired at the moment because <laughs> of these increased flower orders. I mean, I'm buzzing. I love it. But <laughs> So what have, what have been the biggest challenges then in growing the brand? You know, it's your baby you've built it from scratch and there's no one you know when you start a new job there's guidance in place there's guidelines there's people there for advice there's helping you you know there's there was nothing like that for me I literally I didn't know any friends or family at the time that I knew own business so I, I had to make it all up as I went along really and I've made mistakes I know I haven't and there's things I could have done a lot better but at the end of the day I've been really tough on myself about that but you know I'm only human as one of me and you know, you just got to learn from it and move on and be better, strive to be better. And I think, you know, it is hard to switch off. And I do, I have had to delegate and, you know, I've got head of events now. So he runs a whole events team. Um, so I pretty much don't have to worry about that side of the business anymore. <laughs> you know, I just see what lovely events they put on. You know, I have had a shop manager and, but it's still making sure that what I can do, I, become, I can become really focused on one side of the business and then I sort of go and look at the other side and think hold on a minute and then I start delving into costs (laughs) and spend and I see that you know we've been overspending with a certain supplier you know so it's things like that it's just it's sort of being more not organized structured my time and making sure that I've you know overseeing everything and everyone's clear on what they're doing and how to do it and that I'm, I'm always there basically if they need talk for anything. How are you with the money side of it? I'm very good. So I'm always going on to my sister about uh, this is actually my boyfriend as well. He's like, he taught me this always because when I first started, it was all about the flowers, the flowers, the flowers, the flowers. And he's like, look at your figures. You must be on your figures. Are you making money? You know, and you know, I look back and I'm like, Jesus, I wasn't. It was just like bloody hobby. <laughs> but um, you know, now it's all about figures. Just from like, I don't think you know when someone breaks a rose, one of the girls or boys break a rose, and I'm like that's a pound you know they don't think anything of it but to me that's you just literally that's like throwing a pound out pound 50 into the road go but it's gone you know so you just see little things that, you know when they write on the back of a note card that I've spent you know 60 pence on to print out to, to write a note to each other it's just little things like that they probably think I'm being tight and like fuck's sake she goes again but it's just little things like that it's just every, every penny counts basically it all adds up all makes a difference oh it really does yeah and that's one thing I've learned is that you know always read the small print <laughs> I've been stung there before and negotiate with your suppliers if you've been a loyal customer of theirs for years so there's always a deal to be had or a negotiation to be done 
So I'm, I'm, I'm very comfortable having those conversations now. <laughs> That's one thing I've learned. And what for the future then? We've done pop-ups. We've opened shops in Fulham, in um, Brick Lane, in Soho. And I did it just to get our name out there, you know. And But it's so hard to manage. Because of my style of, our style of floristry, it's really hard to teach. It takes new people ages to get the hang of it. Like, And I mean months and months and months for them to learn this style. And for them, for me to open a shop out, you know, in another space and make sure that shop looked good at all time, it was just, it was draining. I couldn't. So where a lot of people say, you know, grow bigger, grow bigger, you know, why don't you open another shop here? We need you in this area. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, what I want to do is just do what we do really well. You know, I, I'm not about being mediocre. What we do, it needs to be the best at all times. And I think I don't want it watered down. I just want to make sure that what we do is amazing and really of high standard, but it's consistent. And I don't think I need to... I don't really want to grow from that. You know, I just want to just keep doing what we're doing, but then maybe just be more profitable. (laughs) But, you know, what I love about our new shop is because I know it's a lot more plant shop opening up, we we still do loads of plants and pots, but we've got like perfumes in there, bath oils, like you can go and buy bird feed, candles, incense. So I love that side of it. So it's like, you know, going to find different brands and products to, to put in the shop. And I love redoing the shop every week I'd love to do my own bath oils as well I just love having baths (laughs) but like really plant you know plant and herb and aromatherapy based so that's that's another discussion it was gonna that was that was a meeting book before lockdown actually that I could I haven't had yet so watch that space on that I guess but yeah more and more people keep asking me to do videos and stuff (laughs) I'm just I just I'm terrible I'm so shy I'm just (laughs) I don't know maybe is there a, a sort of therapeutic side to growing plants? I don't know. I can't explain the feeling that gives me, but every morning, like, I come down, I'll show you my, see them all there? Mm. Like, every, like, there's a new leaf, and I think, you know, Jack at work, my head of events, he'll be like, oh, my God, my plant at home is going mad. It's new, you know. And then we just get a buzz about, about seeing new growth because they're living, you know, and they're just, they become part of your house. I just, when I walk into anywhere now, which is, I'm lucky nowadays, doesn't happen <laughs> without plants you can just I'm just like oh it feels so sterile and you know plants are life basically without plants we wouldn't be here like so much medicine and well yeah we just we just wouldn't be here without them so I just think definitely brings out calming just going out and deadheading my roses like I'm just pulling out the weeds I don't know there's something about, it just feels like honest work as well floristry like because you're you know just I love grafting so I love that sort of I love, like, at the weekend, I was just out gardening and sweating and I'm feeling tired, but I love it. I love the buzz it gives you. Can't explain it. I just love walking in the woods with the dogs and, you know, by the sea. Whether in Holcombe, I don't know if you know Holcombe in Wilford, they've got, like, beautiful beach. It's just back with pine forests and just walking through there. It's just, I don't know, it's just something about it I love. So many people are stressed and anxious and, you know, emerging from lockdown. You know, we don't know what is ahead of us and... There's there's a lot of fear. So what does with your love of plants and your passion for flowers and and sort of the cutting edge of of what you do? How would you define courage? It really starts with self belief. I think, which is really hard because as I said, I was really a nervous child and had really lack of confidence up. And it wasn't until I set up this business 
you know, I'd had hypnotherapy for it. Um, I struggled to speak in meetings. Um, and I went to see a hypnotherapist and she said who, she did like cognitive therapy as well. And she said when I was in recruitment and she said to me, you hate what you do. As soon as you do what you love, all of this is going to go away. And I was like, really? And, you know, it did. And I, I and people say, weren't you scared? Weren't you scared? Like when you set up your business? And I'm like, no, I don't know what happened. But I've constantly got this inner belief that I'm like, whatever you do and you work hard at it and you eat of that positive mental attitude, you know, and I'm really believer in the book, The Secret. I've read that and about um, believing positive thoughts and it manifests itself. It really does. And that, that's just what I, you know, I don't think I'm going to fail. <laughs> I just, you know, like, and I, what I've, I see myself in some of the, you know, people that work for me sometimes and that, you know, I can see they've got real lack of confidence and, and I'm terrible really. Cause I was like that. I was like them when I was younger and I, you know, I really not, we didn't want to be put in, any awkward situations but I purposely do it because I know that they will thrive and learn from it so I'm like deep end deep end <laughs> but you know I'm there guiding them but I'm like how's you they're like and you can see the next time they do it they're more confident you know and like just doing a wedding for the first time on your own it's it's terrifying you know and it's just about conditioning yourself to redo something redo something and be like actually it's not that bad I'm gonna be all right and most people are nice <laughs> you know in a belief that I've I've got and and support for my family and friends, obviously, as well. It's just about positive thinking, about really reinforcing that it's going to be okay if you do it well. You know, it's not about being mediocre, it's about doing something well and not being slapdash and not just trying doing it. (laughs) You know, your sister recommended you as a brave new girl for us to interview. And so, who would, what brave new girl would you recommend that we interview? Ah, um, it'd be my friend Sarah. She's a scientist. Tell tell me a bit about her. She works for a huge global um, pharmaceuticals company. She went to school with my sister. I've known her since, uh, you know, I moved back to London. She's become one of my best friends. She is a big dog in, in her company. <laughs> um, she's got a really important job and she's, you know, it's, it's just, when you see her out, she's so like, you know, you just... I don't know she's, she's got such an important job it's so hard and then you know it's just I don't know it's just um I'm in awe of her actually and what she does and how hard she works and how clever she is basically <laughs> well she sounds like a great person to interview yeah. and find yeah, out what her great. secret is yeah definitely well Nick thank you so much it's been I've been so wanting to meet you (laughs) I really need to meet you in real real life yeah we need to go out have a drink yeah (laughs) and and I really want to thank you for being on the podcast for sharing your journey for the challenges the ups and downs and what gives you courage but also for your amazing book um how not to kill plants because that's kind of just re reawoken something in me oh, that I've forgotten good. and I just love it and I'm just I pour through it and dip in and out and and yeah my my plants are thanking you Yay. for it oh, that's amazing <laughs> thank you so thanks very much good that's luck right. with everything and bye. see you soon cheerio bye Thank you, Nick, for showing us how when you have the courage to make the leap, you can find your passion and how by being prepared to break the rules, you can create the life and business of your dreams. You can follow Nick on Instagram at Grace and Thorn and find out more about her work at www.graceandthorn.com. 
Thanks also to Podstar PR for producing the series and to you, our tribe, for listening. Download, rate and review on your podcast provider so that we can keep bringing you this free podcast. Goodbye for now and see you next time. Thank you.